Hello, SE land. This is Twig. This is episode number 50 of Twig's SE Reflections. And you don't know this, but I do. This is a special episode. Now you've been told, but you still don't know what that means. To be honest, I don't even know if I know what that means. But I do have a little bit of a plan. And once I get that going, we're both going to find out just what's going to happen next. So let's name it. Let's name it as episode 50, Gratitude and Transparency. The Gratitude and Transparency episode. Inside the gratitude, there's a number of things I want to tell you. Things that I'm grateful for in the SE world, things that have mattered to me, things that make a, a difference for me as a clinician, I think, or have made a difference for me when I was doing more clinical work. kind of have to start to say that because I realize I might not be doing much more clinical work. But in any case, I certainly did do a lot, and I certainly did get a lot of help from SE with that and I was su and I'm super grateful for it. I'm just super grateful and I got a lot of little gratitude things to say and and because I created a platform where I get to share my voice, it makes it so that I get to share my gratitude publicly. And actually that was part of the transparency part because another element in this here episode 50, the gratitude and transparency episode is to share a little bit of behind the scenes of what it is I'm doing here and why I'm doing this and what this was for and where it might go from here and some of that I gotta tell you rests on maybe on the right on the edge it's certainly on the edge podcasts tend to go this way I don't know if you all know this but podcasts tend to go a little bit toward the edge of TMI you know what that means right too much information too much personal information. Transparency, this episode might have some TMI in it. Now then, you have been warned. This is a special episode. I am looking forward to sharing maybe a bunch of little stories. Don't know how many I'm going to get to. I actually have a limit tonight. How much batteries left on my iPad. So, no other limits than that. I'm going to tell you about these gratitude stories, these transparency comments, maybe ask, maybe answer a few questions in there, oh, including help you notice that I won't be editing today's episode. Now, in the past, maybe you listen and you think, wow, this guy really is articulate. I don't know if you really think that, but if you do, don't, don't give me too much credit for that. I do spend a fair amount of time hours, in fact, for every episode, trying to make sure that it doesn't sound completely inane saying the same right, like, you know, phrases over and over again. And I, I have a tendency to do that, so um, I'm not going to try and change it right now for you. My apologies. Nor am I going to edit this as a... Mm, well, I'm just not going to. So, where are we at here? Well, we're kind of get to gratitude, and we're going to get to transparency. Well, what did I want to tell you first? Well, I wanted to say 
maybe some of you are maybe just new to podcasts because you've been listening to mine, this Twigs SE Reflections. Maybe you don't, maybe you weren't listening to podcasts before. And I was thinking, well, you know, if that's the case, maybe I could say something to some of you about this new medium that's in the world. It's quasi new. It's new. It's the more I think about it, the more I realize just how new it is. It's new. And if we don't, if we're not introduced to it, maybe we don't see its value or its interest or its possibility for you. And I just want you to know about this possibility. So what happened, right, was that all this uh, technology has been coming off into the world the last 20 years. And um, that, you know, I should just kind of say, you know, like, I'm kind of like hesitant to support all of that. Like myself, I, I think that this, I think we would have been better off without all this noise. That being said, all this stuff has made it so that you, literally you, could buy a microphone, a couple little pieces of equipment that are probably standard in your life, and you could share your ideas with a bunch of other people at some other time. And now whether or not you need to do that or want to do that or should do that or whether or not other people or everybody who's doing that should or could or, you know, all of that, I don't know. I don't have any comment about that. But I would want to tell you that because of this, there is a lot of really high quality information in the world all of a sudden that is free to access based on this method called the podcast, which is simply doing a little bit of code work to an audio file like what you listen to on your computer and making it so that once it's published onto the internet, it can be downloaded anywhere in the world for free from any number of different kinds of things that we all have in our hands all the time nowadays. And then we can listen to what other people are sharing as far as information. And while there are lots of other ways that do that, the podcast thing gives a certain kind of, I don't know, it's, it's personalized, I guess. That's part of what's become of it. Now that's part of what I wanted to tell you. Some podcasts are really direct and to the point. They're instructional. They really want to help you understand something. Some of them are, you know, not. They're, they're way wound and windy and have no, no purpose that you might look at as other than just maybe sheer entertainment or fluff or whatever. Like, there's an entire gamut. And of course, what you've been listening to from me is me playing with different styles of trying to figure out what it is I'm doing with this medium. And so part of the transparency side of this is to say, wow, you know, I've been kind of experimenting with you as my audience. Some of you have stuck around. I don't, there seems to not be like a growth trend in who's listening. So either you're all the same listeners for the last two months, or some of you come for two episodes and then leave and then other people come. So who's listening now? I'm not sure. But if you've been listening along, thanks for letting me experiment with you. That's part of the gratitude. Thanks for letting me experiment with you. And on the transparency side, guys, I'm just kind of working this out as I go. I'm just trying to do my best. And, you know, <laughs> have a little fun or something as I go along. And that, that kind of reminds me of a story in here, you know, um, I don't know, did did this podcast irk anybody? I, I'm afraid that it might have irked somebody. And if it did, I apologize. 
There's a little story back in the day when I was just beginning my SE career and was even more uncontained, much, much more uncontained than I am now. I was at a, I, I would have this tendency when I heard things that were super exciting to me come from the front of the class, I would have this tendency to shout out in enthusiasm for it. One time, Bob Scare, Dr. Robert Scare, said that the, uh, that actually the cause of trauma in the human species is the cultural cage. You know, we experience it as a psychobiological phenomena, but it's actually the cultural induction of, you know, inhibiting the completion process that is causing this. And that's a cultural issue, actually. And that, that was my contention. And it's actually why I came to SE was to try to find enough information to help kind of prove that point out. And so when I heard him say that, I shouted from the edge of the room, you know, and kind of like, yay. And I, I had this tendency to do that back then. And one time I did it with Peter Levine. He, he said something, said something brilliant. And I made a big ruckus at the corner of the room, just excited about it. This was in Carlsbad, California. And, and Peter, he made a comment about it and the whole room erupted in laughter. And Peter said, oh no, a troublemaker. And then the whole group really erupted in laughter. And Peter said, oh no, a troublemaker that you like. And, you know, like, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know if you've heard me say it before, but if you, if you ever listen to me for very long, you're going to hear me say something like, you guys know about this guy, Peter Levine? You know, like, he's a genius. He's a complete genius. Like, the guy completely called me out. I do not mean to be a troublemaker. I do not mean to be a troublemaker. But somehow, I don't know exactly why. But I, I always do it just my own way somehow. You know, I don't know what that means, but I, um, um, <laughs> at least I'm more contained nowadays, huh? Here's a story. When I was young, I was raised by a fella who was very good to me. He was a stepfather figure. And some of you know my personal story because I shared it on stage as a, as a means to try to kind of express or explain both my gratitude for SE and also to help other people know about it in a more cultural didact, you know, like not so smartsy smartsy way. We, we talk about it kind of smartsy, you know? And so this was kind of more, uh. anyway, so I was telling my story and you guys know about it. And so you know about this bad stepfather kind of guy in my life, but I actually had another stepfather kind of guy who was very good to me. And, and he would tell me about this friend of his who worked for him with him for a time back in the 70s. They were in a university setting, I think. And this this fella's name was Tony. And my name is Anthony, so I, I went by Tony as a child. So I immediately had an affinity for this fella. And this guy, Tony, he came in, and it, there was a new kind of computerish, typewriterish kind of thing in this office. And Tony's job was to come in and learn how to do this, maybe typesetting work. And he came in and, and learned it very quickly and became very good at it and really excelled. And my stepfather and the boss and everybody else in the office really thought that Tony just exemplified what it took to make this machine work right. And, and he, it, they all thought he would stay. 
you know, because he'd maybe found his dream job. He really knew how to do this thing. And he, it turned out he stayed for six months. And after the edge of six months, Tony quit the job and he went on to go do something else. And my stepfather figure said, well, you know, Tony, what are you doing? Why are you leaving? And he's like, oh, you know, like that was interesting. And I, I learned that. And uh, I guess, I guess there's something else I want to go try and learn. Like I said, I had like this name affinity for Tony, but when I heard the story as a child, I thought, wow, you know, you could do that. You could become more like a generalist than a specialist. You could, you could actually become good at picking up things rather than good at something, which, you know, I got to tell you, don't, you know, don't, don't follow me if, if you're picking up that that's what I have done um, with my life. Like it's, it's not necessarily like a great way to become financially stable or anything like that, but, but it is a, an option. And I guess, I don't know, by happenstance or, or maybe it was that I was thinking about this because, because part of this is, is in the transparency side for you all that when I was a child, you know, and I, I had this kind of like rough go of it at first became, I, I had a lot of years of being really insecure and doing my best to negotiate that is how I would say about that. And it started in the second grade, as I remember, but it might have been earlier. It certainly was named earlier, but it started as far as I remember in the second grade that I, I got report cards, each and every one, <laughs> each and every report card had um, some kind of comment that included the word recalcitrant on the post on the report card. Like somehow I'd say like, you know, he's a, he's a fabulous student, except he's, he's incredibly recalcitrant. Or, you know, he'd be a great student if he wasn't so recalcitrant. Or something like that. And I'm, I'm so grateful for SE for having softened that. I'm going to jump back over to the gratitude side there for a moment. Um, you know, guys, every stick has two ends. You, you hear Stephen Hoskinson use that quote, you know, that's from a... Russian mystic, really important fella, but Gurdjieff, but but Stephen Huskinson brings that into the world and brings it back at least to me and shares that with me. And I, my name's Twig. You know, I go by Twig, so in every stick has two ends. Let's just jump back and forth here, right? The transparency side, the gratitude side. Thanks, S.E. Because although I'm in my TMI moment right here, um... I don't, I don't have that recalcitrant pushback anymore. You know, if it, if it was at one time and it was, um, if it was intense or like just, uh, <laughs> one of your SE folks, a really wonderful guy. You guys know this guy, Brad, um, Kammer. He told me one time that it's my narcissistic rage and, and that's, he was just, he was just completely right. Um, it's taken me a long time to realize that that's what my my rebellion was about, but that's what it was, and or at least on some so many levels. Well, that that softening that softened it just softened a lot with SE, and and I'm I'm grateful, truly, truly grateful. Hey, let's do this. Let's uh. Let's do something smart. If we were in session by now, we would have already taken a pause to kind of like pay attention to where we are. 
which is somewhat different than maybe you've noticed before. <laughs> you have no idea, as I've been working on this podcast, trying to get this to happen for the last five years, what it has taken me to figure out how to not be afraid of making bad audio for your ears. I did some videos for Stephen Huskinson years back, and I, I put everything I had in it, and it was it was hard for me to do because I had no experience, but he, he was so good about letting me help because I was excited to help. And and Neil Neil did this wonderful job one time of telling me that like the sound quality was horrific and I, I it it kind of like it was the best thing he could have said because it made me worry for two or three years before I could um, get the sound quality where I thought I could actually share something like this with y'all well over the time of figuring that out of course I've been traveling too and it's hard to get the sound quality in a big city and and that's another that's another transparency part. So let's not go there. Let's do this instead. Let's continue the pause that I was just recommending and try to name where we're at. I'll, I'll shut up for a second. I suppose maybe you hear the airplane going by, but I don't know if you do. But there was an airplane. It's like one airplane up there. And then maybe you also hear the crickets. I'm in my studio that you listen to like the good recordings, the good recordings that you've heard. Well, the other ones are good, but my my worry of of making bad noise has was there but they're good the other ones are okay but the the quote better ones um they're done at my crack in the concrete studio this kind of studio i've been putting together for a little while but my place in the mountains and crack in the concrete studios and and i've i've come outside with the microphone tonight and it's the middle of july it's actually july 18th 2015 and that's the sound of crickets all around me. Yeah. Well, what else? You know, like we said at the beginning, huh? We made a contract. I said, like, this could have the TMI kind of podcast here so I'm I'm gonna lean on something that's out there in the internet now have you have you tuned into this there is now so much stuff so many memes so many you know small little cultural bits of information one is that we're just all completely confounded by what to what the hell to pay attention to but um also there's so much that if you wanted to share something with the world you no longer have to really worry if people are going to pay attention to it unless they want to you know uh, it's so easy 
it, it's not so easy, but it, it once once you get over a certain kind of mental hurdle, or at least this is for me, it's taken this mental hurdle to get over. It's taken me a long time actively working on it, <laughs> actively working on it, sessions and self-reflection and all this kind of effort, real effort to get over and realize that in the modern world, if you're going to say anything and people are going to listen, it's just because they choose to listen or not. Because there's so many other entertaining things to do. There's so many other interesting things to do. There's so much high, 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 super high quality information to do, to choose from. You know, it's, it's kind of amazing that anybody would spend too much time absorbing information that just makes them feel bad or, or ill or uncomfortable or whatever but but of course we're compelled by certain kinds of things and and there's certain maybe you're in a stream sometimes and you don't realize that you could go off and find something really interesting and and heartfelt and compelling to to help you be more at ease here i'm not sure but anybody who doesn't want to stick around for something like that can just go do something else it's so great so because of that i can lean into um that contract again and say let me say this about gratitude I was saying that I'm I'm grateful for you all for helping me and letting me experiment with you on this podcast and also for um, I mean it's just kind of an extension this is kind of like what what started this was that you know in my opportunity to assist so much I took a real opportunity to assist and a lot of people do and and it, I'm not at all unique in that. Let's make I'm sure everybody's clear on that. Like, but I did do that, and in doing it, it gave me the opportunity to talk to a lot of quote you, you know, other SE practitioners, other people coming up through the training and learning how to incorporate this kind of attention and this kind of information and this kind of talking and this kind of way of being with other people, so as to help other people's nervous systems get a little bit more of the signal that says you know both the environment around me is more or less kind of helping to you know one way to say it is one way I think of it is to try to get the neuroception to be a little bit more matched you know so that the organism person client is gonna feel just a little bit safer you know that quote by Stephen Porges that you know preeminent responsibility is to establish safety you know, but we got to remember safety's safety's not equal for everybody, and it's not equal all the time in the same way. And sometimes when you're freezing and you're trying to withdraw from the environment, safety doesn't feel like engagement. It feels like being able to allow to withdraw. And sometimes when you're really mad, safety feels like having somebody else who's mad with you, who's on your side, and that feels safer. You know, um, there are these kind of ways that we're learning in somatic experiencing and and there's just so much more than you're going to hear me talk about because everybody's got their kind of their wonderful perspective everybody's got their lens you know so there's just it's rich it's it's as I as I actually wrote in my journal the first night in my beginning one training and I went home and typed um found another genius referring to Peter Levine and and Stephen Hoskinson actually kind of had them both together at the moment there and uh, and still think of them both in those ways. And when I 
first saw that, I also typed next to it, that I, I probably will never find out how deep this goes. Because this is that rich. You know, it's, it's just that rich. So on the gratitude side, in getting to meet with so many of SEPs all over the world over the years, I've got to hold, I've been, I've been kind of privileged to hold the questions about like, how do we do this? And why would we do this? And what's a other way to do this? And what's another way to say this? And, and what's another way to think about this? And what's another way to pace this out? And what's another way to lean into this? And, and, and I've seen that there are just so many different ways to help people kind of engage in this organic involuntary allowance in a safe enough way that something new and different comes out of it rather than just another repetition of a you know either a thwarted or a overexercise like overexercise stress response or a just a like bouncy 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 keeps going back up after not even getting to come down kind of thing so so those right those are Stephen Hoskinson's deviation points in his organic intelligence mapping and it's like totally works for me it's like yep that's what I see too but look there um thanks everybody you know I, I think that a lot of us in that situation feel that it's an honor and a privilege to be with you while you're learning and I know that the first assistants that I ever had stand out as like critical people in my in my own training and in my own style and um, I do techniques that 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 I learned in my very first um, sessions I, 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 I use lines that I that I picked up in my very first sessions from a number of folks there in California um, the coordinators I mean it's like you guys have just been all been like guys it's it's just cool i showed up to my first training i was super nervous to come and um <clears throat> it was a step up you know like being in massage school is like okay that's cool i could i could handle that but but like i said at the training there there were all these um these nice cars in the driveway and and it kind of scared me I, I didn't know if i'd be able to hold my own in there and so i, I showed up late and Noel and Andrea came out and they both like greeted me with hugs as if they were waiting for me as if they knew I was already supposed to be there and I don't know how it is for you but I, I've been I've been now around around the world hopefully sometime soon I'm gonna get to go all the way down to Australia and meet some of the SE people down there and everywhere I've gone I've met people just like that and that's that's great. I remember the first, well, this would be going over the transparency side. Um, I remember the first middle-class house that I was comfortable in since I've been, um, well, actually since, <laughs> since, since I was really, since a long time. And, uh, and that, and that was down there in San Diego. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, 
Oh, a little undercoupling. Oh yeah, great. We could we could have the crickets. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you just need to um, relax your jaw a little bit, <clears throat> and let your mind come back. Yeah, it was it was Nicola's house, you know, and we we were actually having a advanced uh, no, um, an intermediate three training there. Back in the old days, uh, you know, it's it's of course what everybody wants. We all want SE to become super famous and big trainings, and we all meet in big facilities. But there was a time at the same time as that that's true. There's this other element that's true too. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to get some water here. Yeah, there's this other element that um, Essie originated and had had many years a really wonderful thing of um, happening inside of, of houses. <clears throat> you know the the training would take place in people's homes and and gosh you know it was it was actually in Nicholas home that I experienced that and also got to stay with her and well like I said it was the first middle class home that I felt comfortable being inside of and um I think that that had to do with what I what was going on inside of me of course as I was also going through my own nervous system changes and kind of coming out of my own hypervigilance <clears throat> and self you know self protection and aggrandizement and all the kind of barrier kind of stuff that you do when you got to when you got to make yourself safe again um, safe enough but but yeah like uh, like I could really see that in that house, things were safe in a way that um, that wasn't contrived and it wasn't, um, yeah, it was authentic. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, you see, here is something that I would tell you as a practitioner to another practitioner, um, and as a like a as a trainer, like a, or somebody like to like a like a thought leader kind of guy to like say like, hey, here's a way to like make sure you think about this. 
I would say it this way. I'd say, if if you had like an early life that didn't get knocked around a lot, like if you if you more or less, you know, it was you didn't get knocked down the street kind of stuff, and then you've become a trauma therapist. I think that's like super freaking fantastic because and it's also totally possible there might be out there in fact a really inaccurate assessment that you know like sex therapists are only people who are interested in sex and trauma therapists are only people who have all these like childhood attachment issues and it's just not true it's like the statistics aren't there none of it's there some of us are all doing me search some of us just like it's compelling and it's interesting or it's part of the profession and we found our way here etc etc there are so many different reasons and ways that we come to this work it's not all because we all got kicked down the road and if if you didn't which I'm glad you didn't if you didn't and you're working with people who have or even you're working with people who have kind of like been through a lot and on some level maybe maybe you haven't like I say I'm, I'm super psyched that you haven't and here's here's like a recommendation spend a little bit of time coming to care about somebody who like and and getting to know them and like kind of like relating to them and stuff um who's not a client who did you know and and kind of you know not everybody gets this but but some people who who got kicked down the road kind of stuff like particularly when you become a therapist um i don't know if you know this but there's quite a few of us amongst you that you know <laughs> It, it, we we in the SE world especially I think there's there's just a whole number of us that like something back there was pretty pretty damn hard and it really helps you to understand that people are doing the best they can when they're going through all this stuff and particularly inside the change process of trying to figure out how to come out of this like this kind of fixated, hypervigilant, you know, all you know, all the mix up inside of the PTSD world and stuff. Like all that stuff that happens to people. Like if you're really inside of that and you're trying to come out of that, that stuff is like way crazy hard to figure out what you're supposed to pay attention to, what you shouldn't pay attention to, who you should trust, who you shouldn't trust when you don't trust anybody, et cetera, et cetera. And it's it's kinda it's got you know, I don't wanna like I don't want to put this out of reach or inaccessible or anything. It's not, but it matters how you how you meet a person like that and how you talk to a person like that and what you ask of them and what you tell them is possible and what they what you tell them they should, you know, where they should put their attention and all this. It it it's a sensitive kind of thing, I guess, is part of what I'm saying. And and the more you can appreciate that. Um, you're not just trying to achieve your ideal SE session. You're trying to meet the person where they're at and figure out from there what's the next part of this that's going to help them to feel more efficacious in 
it's not maybe even trying to get rid of their fear, but maybe even just being able to deal with where their fear is right there for the next little while so that some other kind of stabilization can happen before another expectation toward like something quote better or unfolding is going to happen at that at that really challenged side of the learned helplessness you know and like the trauma spectrum I, I think of that as the resiliency spectrum usually trying to get that positivist language you know like it's good to figure out that it's really um it's not just about what we want as practitioners to accomplish here, or even what the client wants to be able to accomplish here. There are there are old, old, old dynamics at play. There are there are confusions that are taking place inside of this incredibly elegant organism that has become completely like, oh, what am I supposed to pay attention to now? I, I feel like I'm supposed to fight. Oh, I feel like I'm supposed to fight myself. Oh, I feel like I'm supposed to fight everything around me. Oh, I feel like I'm supposed to run away from it. And, and you know, a lot of people are just having a challenging enough time taking care of all that noise that we're talking about sometimes in the world. You add on top of that, like real nervous system disorganization and dysregulation, I know it's challenging to say, oh, we have to go slow. And it's not in order to like make everything feel stupid and banal and like we're never going to get anywhere. It's about trying to find the appropriate, the appropriate contact and make that successful. At least that's how I really have grokked it. I, I, I remember in, in San Francisco and beginning one and and we watched this completely elegant session on the second day and Stephen Hoskinson like finished it off. It was just lovely. It was slower too. And somebody said it was so slow and, and Steve said, well, I think maybe it was just that that was her pace. You know, and <laughs> it's like if I had a, a new totem animal, it would be the um, Bisha Pregisa. The, the ground, the sloth, the the tree sloth, the bisha pedigisa, the the the, slow, the the lazy beast is, I think, the uh, literal translation from from uh, Brazil. I I never was like that until I had thyroid surgery because of a kind of a probably a false thyroid cancer scare, which happened right there in the beginning of my SE world, and and now I'm so much slower than I used to be, which is good. And and with it, I you know new totem animals. Originally, I my totem animals were more like mustelids, which are incredibly violent <laughs> and uh, nonstop. And and now it'd be this uh, Bisha Pregisa. Talk about stick with two ends, huh? That's a red and a blue. Uh, not red and blue in terms of good or bad. That's something, right? You guys are not nobody's nobody's starting to go like oh red and blue is good and bad like like before trauma vortex and counter vortex were good and bad right like it's that they're in relationship with each other we're just trying to get to pendulation oscillation relationship not this side good that side bad okay glad i said that now um bishop Pregisa, i would uh go slower now and and that would be my more more likely my pace now just like steve said uh it was actually the first thing he ever said to me in a session. I remember getting to the, his office and 
forgetting my checkbook in the car, really worried that I that I would look uncouth. I said, "Oh, you know, I gotta go get my gotta go get my checkbook," and and turned to run back to my car in the parking lot to get it. And he he called after me. He's like, "Go at your own pace." <laughs> I pretty sure those words changed my life. You know, talk about somebody who changed my life. Um, can I go on the gratitude side? You all going to be okay on this? Um, you know, I, I'm 42 at the moment. And so I'm, I've been here a couple of years now. And like, like we know, I had a something of a rough time not nearly as hard as it gets for people not nearly and I had unique opportunities to get out of situations that a lot of people when they're in they never get as I as I often tell myself when I'm getting on an airplane leaving somewhere that's hard if you have a credit card you can get out of here and um, I, I essentially had a credit card I had somebody to help me and somewhere to go inside of some bad times now, and that ha that's happened a number of times in my life, which is part of the point here, that that at the same time that I've had a hard time in places, I've uh, I've been I've been granted a lot of opportunities to study with and watch and learn from and um, be close with really helpful people. Now I can see that all the way back, and they were there at like in grade school trying to help and middle school trying to help and high school trying to help and college trying to help and and then in my wayward 20s <laughs> lots of people in there trying to help really like sometimes just one-liners sometimes really taking me under their wings trying to help calm me down and uh and give me something that would put me in a I mean I was in a life-affirming direction I was just really mad about what we're doing to life and um and that's a hard hard road to hoe in its own right but you know um, as as much as I've been aided in this world, yeah, I guess I'll say it this way. Um, yeah, I'd say. Um, yeah, it's, I'd, I'd borrow a quote, a quote that I heard, and, and I'd kind of adapted and make it my own, but I'd borrow a quote. That's how I'd do it. I'd say this quote that I heard from, from one massage teacher that I had in my massage school to another, or about another, that she had only ever been personally and professionally supported by that other teacher. And, you know, that's, that's generally how I feel in the entire SE community, which is, which is, which is a big deal. Like that's a big deal. It's a big group, and and to have that kind of sense of feeling, more or less, you know, like everybody f seems normal until you get to know them. So it's not like we're all <laughs> we're not all perfect next to each other. But but in some kind of general way, there is this kind of personal and professional support that just runs through our contact with one another, and and I have felt that as I've said here, and and nobody has given that to me in my entire life the way that that man Stephen Hoskinson has. And 
And that's like a unique thing for me, I think. I mean, not that you can't do that for other people, but but like I get to have that from somebody and it just happens to be that that was him and, and such. But but there was a unique element of character there and um, and an appreciation for for maybe both of what we were thinking and saying to each other that helped that to happen. Um, but it 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 really uh, well uh, it was it was it was good. Now, one of the things that that is is just simply the way that this works, and that's kind of what I want to get to for a moment here. Um, beyond the the heart part of that, one of one of the things. Uh, okay, well, let's borrow a quote from um, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And he says in there, he's, he's got this great line. He says, um, who is it? So I'm going to get there, but you're going to get to listen to the crickets while I get there. And the poor wills too. I don't know if you can hear them. There's they're they're out there in the meadow. Okay, so the alchemist, Paulo Quinn, and and there's a quote. And the quote says, <laughs> see, if one of you were right here right now, I could say, what was I saying? I got caught up in the whippoorwills. Um, those aren't whippoorwills. Those are nighthawks, I think. Susie, what, who are they? Okay, let's see. Um, I'll go back into my pause. Okay, thank you. So there's a there's a there's a line a scene in the in the alchemist where the the boy is asking the the alchemist the master like you know how why it is that you have to learn things is do I have that right or is he asking the Englishman no no it's it's the alchemist he says uh, I don't know why these things have to be taught by word of mouth they just have to be. It's the way it's the way it's it's the tradition. It's the way it's always been done. And and Paul, you, I'm I'm sorry. I just totally butchered it. And I've like read that book in three different languages <laughs> too many times. <laughs> um, I can read it in different languages because I know it so well in English that I can read it in Portuguese or French and know what it's saying. And that's how I was trying to learn Portuguese when I was living in Brazil, much to the chagrin of my my sweetie there. But um, so there, there it is. It, that's the idea, right? He, 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 there's like, why can't you learn this stuff from books? And, and he says, no, no, you can't. Um, something like this, you got to learn from somebody else. And, and we, we have, we have a lot of media coming out in the world right now. I, I have actually been producing my own, 
Um, for years I've been working on that. Other people have been doing that themselves. There's a lot of media in the world, and that's, like I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, kind of like really super helpful and cool. Um, and then there are also books and um, blogs. and there's, It's just, it's. I think we're going to see. You know, I just saw yesterday, actually, I got an email from Stephen Hoskins. Kind of, he's, it's just going to happen, guys. Sorry, you're going to have to wade through my fealty there um, whenever I'm kind of doing the transparency thing. And yet, um, but I got this email from his organic intelligence thing is launching. And, you know, it's like there's there's Seti or Dare, Diane Poolheller and the um, and Integral Somatic Psychotherapy with Raja and Narm with Larry Heller and, and Peter Levine Somatic Experiencing and like, are we not just in this incredible diversification period right now that has this like speciation kind of sense of it? Like just like a biological system does where it comes to fruition and enters into new environments and does all kinds of new cool groovy things with with itself. I'm psyched. I'm just completely psyched. I'm I'm like like let's all just like keep keep hugging one another and see that wow <laughs> this is going to be big you know how yoga is now you know guys you see that and this is one of my contentions from the beginning with somatic experience and don't worry I, I i'm still in my thread for the alchemist piece but from the beginning i when i read peter peter's book in my van at the end of the road in on the california coast i i said oh my gosh this is going to be this is going to be like yoga. There'll be a yoga studio. There's a yoga studio on every street, you know, like, especially if you're in Portland. But but it's true if you're in almost anywhere. Boulder, Olympia, there's New York. Okay. Tokyo, you guys got them over there? Um, if if that's true, and it is, there's, there's yoga everywhere. Same here. Same here. Soon enough. I mean, we got to keep like refining it and making the information shareable and and helpful and useful and everything but there's there's just so there's so much in here there's just so 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 much in here so good we want a safer and saner world don't we well um it there is something about how when you're learning this stuff part of what helps you get it is that you copy somebody else that's what i'm going to say um i think i think that's part of mastery i think that's part of getting to like grok a craft as you watch somebody else and how they move their body how they um pace their breath how they avert or move their eyes in this craft in se when it's so interpersonal and you have to meet with so many different kinds of people and you have to be um, at least adaptable enough that you're not presenting a square to somebody who has a nervous system that needs to have more flexibility in the room than that. Like you don't have to be able to change and model and match to everybody, mirror to everybody, but you do have to be able to get a little bit closer than just staying yourself all the time, right? Like I say this in in my languaging classes, like you're providing a specialist conversation. You're, you're not just another conversation from the street. Like you are going to inform what's happening here. And 
part of that actually is you being able to speak to the physicality, the biology, the you know the psychobiology that's in front of you, that interpersonal neurobiology stuff and all of that. So, and that's that's not just words, and it's not just some book by Alan Shore. You know, it's like you you kind of have to be flexible in yourself and um, and learning how somebody else did that from spending a lot of time with them while they do it is a way for you to pick it up inside yourself. Um, you know, what? what is that? Um, Tamami was Owazo uh, Onosumu. Yeah, Owazo Onosumu, like steal the technique, right? Um, I did that in a podcast episode. You you wanna you wanna steal you wanna steal your master's technique you wanna bring it in and make it your own and then you you wanna like adapt it with all of the other you know ultimately generalist things you've ever done before and combine all of those so that you get to use your metaphors of the different kinds of trips and different kinds of explorations you've made in other studies when you're talking to your clients just like your teacher would but they're your own phrases but you see what I'm saying. You can't, you can't just learn that because the information's out there. On some level, you got to get close to somebody, even just a little bit. Your assistants, your colleagues, just get the, get the feel of what it's like when somebody else does it and try that on a little bit so it informs your own instrument, your own organism on how you're going to communicate with people inside of your sessions. And, you know, if I can say then, like... Um, I, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am in understanding how to do this the way that I do if it wasn't that my master let me copy everything that I ever saw him do and and he gave me free reign to do that and make it my own and <laughs> you know what else what else can I say than thank you for that yeah but it would it, it, get lost if I tried to say anything more. What else? Oh gosh, I'm, I I I hope everybody who stuck around this far um, <laughs> got some tea by now. Well, tonight is July eighteenth. And I, I meant to apologize at the beginning of this episode because uh, I've been off schedule on publishing these podcasts. This is episode 50, and the schedule got broken up a couple weeks ago because I hit the wrong button when I went to publish, and I didn't do it for four days until late. Four days later, and once I noticed, it set this back until I got toward Jan July 14th, when I actually thought I would have already tried to say something like this but hey this is better let me tell you it was worth waiting for because I was going to be too cold before um but yeah you have you have had to wait for this and uh and that's that's like a thing that I've been learning about this kind of work is that when you do free content over the internet it's the first thing that suffers when you need to find some money and work you know and that's actually why I didn't know this <laughs> I really didn't know but that's why actually when you work on the internet you try to get paid the same way that you try to get paid when you work in person and now I've been 
I've been a really, um, I've been really late to the internet. You guys had an email address about 12 years before I did. I didn't even have electricity <laughs> until like, I got electricity in 2002. I started living without electricity and like started living out of my car and um, yeah, 1992. So, so got electricity in 2002. This is about 10 years. Um, and then got an email address in 2005 because I fell in love with a woman across the world and was like, oh, that's, that's worth it. Um, and <laughs> so look, what am I saying here? I, I have not understood the internet very well. And I've been trying to study it so that I wouldn't be annoying if I, if I, you know, using it. And I always thought that the internet was supposed to be free. And it is kind of, it's kind of cool in that, in that way, in a unusual way, it's cool in that way. And now I realize that if actually what you're doing is spending your days making things for people on the internet, you're supposed to try to figure out some way to get paid for it. And it turns out there are all these models for how to do that. And most of those I find just completely like, uh, well, just, I don't, I, I find it so uncomfortable. All the self-promotion, some of you have seen that I have an issue with that, but it's like, I have an issue with that in the world. It's like, we're just being bombarded with, look at my thing, look at my thing. And now I realize if you don't do that, nobody looks at your thing. And, you know, just like in, uh, civilization um use land dynamics uh what i mean by that um yeah in biogeography there's like a thing like if your neighbor has sheep and you have sheep and and they put out two more sheep on their land on the on the open land on the commons then you're going to do that too because you know well they have two sheep out there more than you do and eventually everybody puts out the maximum amount of sheep. So now we have like maybe not the maximum amount of noise in terms of self-promotion on the internet, but it's coming and, uh, and we're, we're on the high rise. Well, part of that self-promotion is that everybody's trying to figure out how to get paid for the, some of the really valuable work that they're doing and the amount of work that it takes to actually do that stuff. And I haven't understood that until now and understanding it now, I'm having to make a pretty sharp pivot after having kind of misinvested in how I've been doing this. Um, so here, here, we got to get to this because I just saw the 10% the battery. Um, yeah, so I, here we are, episode 50. I wanted to make this thing for you guys. I've been wanting to do this for like five years. People said things back in Berkeley five years ago that made me start so I did like these little video things and I thought I'd put them online and that didn't work it just didn't look or feel very good and it was had a fan noise in the back of the room it was just really annoying good ideas but just annoying and then I tried to do it in Brazil in my sweetie's office and that that was almost there but uh, no and then I tried again two or three different times with different microphones all this kind of stuff so blah 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 <clears throat> I thought when I would do this that I would go to a hundred episodes and kind of make like a little archive thing for you guys like a kind of gift gratitude thing and then I met um, I met um, well okay I met I met people who do that kind of thing like um, Susa Talon do I have your name right 
Souza? Is it Talon? Please look up Talon, her gratitude series. You know, ah, I'm, I'm, we've met and, and I was really impressed. And she made these cards. She did one a year. She did these cards online where she drew new pictures as a kind of a gratitude series for her kind of process and people. And now they're available. Really wonderful. Um, I'm going to put those in the show notes on episode 50 for Twig's SE Reflections. Um, and that gave me the inspiration. I was like, oh, I'll try and do, you know, like, I'll actually go for this now after five years. So I met her last year and kind of brought that into existence this year. And here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and take a pause. I'm going to take a pause on these episodes, on any further episodes. I'm going to try and get some feedback from you. If you go to episode 50 of Twig's SE Reflections, so liberation is possible backslash reflections backslash feedback. No, I guess it's on episode 50. Just go liberation is possible backslash reflections and get into the archives. Look for episode 50, the gratitude and transparency episode. And on there, there's a very quick survey. It's like, should I continue? Does this need to happen? Um, uh, any comments? That kind of thing. Would you recommend it to somebody else? Those three things. That's all. Um, so I want to tell you about that. I'm going to take a pause. Taking a pause how long? I don't know. I'm going to get that feedback. I need to talk to a few of my advisors and kind of see what I need to do next. And I'm going to feel good. There's over. F there's going to be 15 hours now of these reflections for you guys on this podcast. It's it's just there for you. Whatever. Take it. Take it. Take it. I'm aware that my battery is going to run out, and I know that there were a few other things I wanted to say. I'm not going to get to them. I'm going to get to this. Sometimes, you get this, you get, you're getting me here. Sometimes there are people who stand out as more helpful inside of your process than everybody else. It's not that everybody else isn't helpful. It's just that some people stand out more so. Okay. Now look. You heard me talk about how I got to kind of like watch Stephen Hoskinson enough to really feel in my way into my own style of what he was doing. Yeah. I think he did the same thing with Peter Levine. I think the other faculty do the same thing with Peter Levine. And then you bring your own self to it, and then you get to share yourself with all that information. Things diversify. It's beautiful. Now look, I got to do that. Whew. Whoa, did my heart just go faster? It did. Okay, but we're, we're just going to try to keep this quicker because I will lose my battery. Um, don't mean to be quick. Don't mean to have a racing heart. It's just this. You know, for several, for, for nine years, I got to spend a lot of time in very, very close proximity with another SEP, with a, my fiance and girlfriend in Brazil, Angela Mestrinet. And that mattered more than everything else, guys. You know, I mean, it's like you can't take you, you can't take anything away from anything else when you've got something that's good, you know, just because it's good. But it mattered more than anything else. Like we would talk about this stuff night after night, day after day. It was it was just it was painful in so many ways, how kind of much we would cross-pollinate and talk about what we had learned and 
what we wanted to learn and what we didn't understand and what we did understand and how I understood it and how she understood it and all these kinds of things. And, and that is something that I think is true. And it's not like every SCP needs to go find an SCP spouse. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that having a close friend, a partner, like you can take that kind of as far as you want to go, but having somebody that you kind of relate to closely within the SC world who helps you think about the same things that you might think about in other ways, but in relationship to these, you know, guidelines or thoughts and, and ex like expectations we have of how, how the nervous system works and what would be most settling and supportive and all of that. It, it's like that's, that's invaluable not to have somebody who's maybe like above you, but somebody who's close to you and understanding and to spend enough time to dedicate to spending enough time together that you get years and years of learning together and watching where you were and where you understood things from together at one time in the past and you move forward in time and you're able to see just how much more you can grow. And um, I think it's very obvious the gratitude there. I, I think so. Okay, SE Land. I uh, I will leave you with this one last parting thing. Tonight is July eighteenth, and in two thousand thirteen, I was taking a walk on this mountainside under a full moon while Angela was here sleeping, and I realized that my house was in danger and I was going to have a fire here someday and I'd probably lose everything. And the next year, as you, some of you know, that fire came and I had by then done the work that needed to happen in order to make sure that my house is still here. It is July 18th, two years later from that night of premonition and attention, <laughs> um, appropriate neuroception. And uh, one year after that kind of all that drama with the fire and some of you know that like with the stories of completion piece that I mentioned before that part of my enjoyment in the world is getting to share stories and trying to put some of our semantic information inside of it and I'm doing that this week I've been preparing it working on it testing it this last week since July 14th and I'm gonna be continuing this week I'm telling a new story called finally the fire you can find it at liberation is possible backslash finally dash the dash fire. I should probably make that easier. Or you can just go to the homepage and there's a nice link to it. Finally getting that worked out. And um, I'm going to be posting episodes through the week and afterwards re-releasing some of those public service announcements that I made for my community after the fire so that other people can have access to them. And then I've also been working on a little ebook for like kind of thoughts on how individuals and families can think about preparing for dangerous stuff that seems like it's going to happen in our world. Um, that is going to happen in our world, but I think that you and I at least are better off for what it is we've been investing our time and attention in. And I'm really glad that you and I are here doing all of that together. This is Anthony Twig Wheeler saying good night. I'll give you the crickets here for another moment and then I'm gonna go to sleep. Good night now.
Oh, that must be bordering on the land of TMI. Too much information? I hope we haven't transgressed. You know, there's another podcast called SEP Talk done by Serge Pringle out in New York. It's completely worth checking out, made specifically for SE practitioners like yourself. Really fantastic. You can still find me. I'm still here. Liberationispossible.org backslash reflections, particularly episode 50. Your feedback is really going to matter to me. For now, I'm going to take my little pause. It's a pause. And I'm going to wave. Wish you well. Get up, get up, get up, I'm wishing you well. Get up, get up, Goodbye now. Get up. Let me share with you my best goodnight wishes that I ever found thinking SE-wise. In Africa, they translated it for me, and I picked it up. I go, Bon rêve avec aventure et les choses plus simples. In f- something like French. Down in Brazil, where it was first discovered, in Portuguese, we, we say, Eu espero você tenha super boas sonhos como aventuras e coisas mais simples. I, I do. I, I hope you have great dreams with adventures and things more simple. Keep pendulating. We'll be in touch. You be in touch. Sleep well. Bye-bye now.